Gotta say I'm a little disappointed. Why is that? So people listening, my birthday was yesterday. Yeah. And so I assumed, I didn't assume, but I, I suspected when I when I came home today before the podcast, I'd get here and all my loved ones would be here it, that you would put this big surprise oh, party that, together. I would do that. Yeah. I, <laughs> I thought, oh, that son of a bitch. I'm going to get home. <laughs> I'm going to walk inside ready to do the podcast and it's going to be everyone. He'll have flown in my uncle from Alaska and my uncle from Arizona and some of our relatives over in London. And I just, I was really excited because yeah, it's, it's... I'm sorry to disappoint. Well, you know, you just think you know someone and... <laughs> When you when you offer to fly strangers in to your seminars, people you don't even know, I, don't, I figured not, you'd I'm offer <laughs> to fly in the loved ones of a very close I'm, friend. I'm not offering to fly anybody in for my seminars. <laughs> By the way, I, I do like how people have picked up on that now. And anytime you have a picture of like a group that you're in for a seminar, you can sure enough find in the comments someone asking about being compensated yeah, it must be a thing now <laughs> yeah and i can't I don't, I don't appreciate that yeah i don't have i don't have a ton of things i'm really proud of in life but that's certainly one of, one those, of, them. One of those things yeah. yeah feel good don't you i do <laughs> have you ever had a surprise birthday party no okay okay <laughs> that's good to know are you the kind of guy who likes surprises depending on the surprise not like like, surprise, you have cancer. Like, that's a bad well, surprise. Yeah, but. that's true. <laughs> it Man, you're, on surprise. you're weird. You don't like that kind of surprise. I <laughs> know, <No>, right? <laughs> well, some people hate the idea of just a surprise, even like a party. They don't want to be that center of attention, or they just don't like surprises. And so you'd walk in and... It's hard to surprise me. Oh, God. Mission mission accepted. <laughs> I just want you to know that I understand that you'd expect a surprise birthday party on your birthday. Oh, it's gonna be like next. Would week. you expect it in July? Though <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. That's what I'm gonna do. <laughs> that's fair. It'll be like August, and it'll be at Monday, and you'll yeah. come home, and all like of after a sudden, the gym, like late. Yes, and everybody's there. Happy birthday! <laughs> you, you guys, you got me. Yeah, yeah. That you could. That that would get me. Yeah. Have you ever thrown a surprise birthday party for someone? No. Have you been a part of a surprise birthday party? Uh, no. Have you ever almost given away a surprise birthday party to someone? No. My, I'm, I'm good at secrets. No. My, okay. Well, that's good. My brother-in-law is throwing one for my sister this Saturday. He and just ruined it. Yeah. It's not like they're listening to this. Plus, it comes out on Sunday, so it doesn't matter. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I had to be very careful that the worst thing is to just talk to someone and say like, all right, well, I'll see you Saturday. And they go, what? Um, Saturday, no, I'm sorry. I got you confused with someone else. I'm meeting someone else on Saturday, and you definitely don't have a surprise party on Saturday where right. I'm going to see you. Right. That's super smooth. That yeah. explains so Did much. I talk myself out of it? If, if that no. was you, would you be like, okay, nothing suspicious here? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. All right, well. Taylor, if you're ever throwing Croyler's surprise birthday party, don't tell me. Just please find a way for me to come because uh, <laughs> I'd like to be there, but just don't tell me right. so that I'm surprised. So maybe I'm the foil where like we walk in, like yeah. we're doing something. and Maybe then she throws you a surprise birthday party for me. Like I am preparing it for you, but it's really for me. Oh, yeah. I like that. Like an inception, like mm -hmm. a surprise birthday party within a surprise birthday party. That's that. That's a good one. 
Yeah. All right, well, if, I'm sure she listens to this, and so she'll start planning that. She doesn't listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> This is episode 57 of the Just Jiu-Jitsu podcast. Every time now, I'm having a strong intro. I'm saying who we are. Yeah. Uh, I'm Andrew Desimone here with... Crayler Gracie. And we're just two guys doing a podcast. That's right. Sounding all professional, sounding like we know what we're doing. And this week, we have the topic of stand-up game. Yeah. Stand-up game. Now, we've done an episode on takedowns. takedowns, so there may be a little overlap here, but the nice thing is, and it's easy to, even sometimes I'll I'll start to, I'll start to um, simplify it or oversimplify it, but stand-up is way more than just takedowns. Absolutely. It's, it, it's easy to think, oh, well, you're on your feet and your goal is just to take the person to the ground, so takedown, takedown, takedown. But to get to that point, you have to, there's... There's so much setup, so many sequences and moving parts that I think that's probably one of the reasons stand-up is probably pretty weak in like overall like jujitsu right now um, as far as your average gym. Yes and no. You don't? Okay. A little, you disagree. Well, it's, it's, it's both a yes and a no. Nope. Black and white. There's no in between. <laughs> well, um, let's see. Corler, why is jujitsu? Uh, why are they? Why are there no takedowns in jujitsu today? Well, Go. that's that's actually kind of where I wanted to start. Oh, okay. Really? Um, you know, the reason why it's not that you don't see takedowns in jujitsu is that you see, um, you don't see many schools or many practitioners. Whether it's a competitor, the hobbyist, somebody doing for self-defense, the, the MMA fighter. The reason why I don't see a lot of people devoting jujitsu time for that is because um, it's not fun. Right? And not only that, um, takedowns, especially early on if you're trying to build a class. Um, until people get experienced, the rate of injuries is higher. Um if you don't know what you're doing, it sucks more than if you don't know how to grapple because you're constantly being tossed. It's exhausting. It's very tiring. Um, and when you add in the fact that at the end of the day, the takedown is of minimal, uh, proportionally speaking, it is more important since most of the fight will happen on the ground that most of your time be devoted to the ground. That is the mentality that a lot of schools take, and it's been like that for decades. You know, in a tournament, in a 10-minute match, I may spend a minute on my feet and nine minutes on the ground, which means that 90% of my time is on the ground. Now, to get good on my feet, I may have to spend an equal time than I would on the ground. And then that builds the, the dilemma for the competitor. Um... If I spend half my time on my feet, I may be really, really, really good for one minute mm -hmm. and be mediocre in the other nine minutes versus if I spend 90% of my time on the ground and 10% on my feet, 
I will be mediocre on my feet, but for the rest of the match, the, the remaining nine minutes, I'll be awesome. Mm. So that's a dilemma. It's tough to, to combat that. Well, the longer you're on your feet, the quicker you're burning fuel. Absolutely. And and you can't be, your takedown game will v- very drastically change as you age. It changes a little bit when you how you grapple too. Um, you know, a 50-year-old guy's game is going to be different than an 18-year-old guy's game. But not so different that you have to reimagine it. You know, where on your feet, when you're young, blast doubles. You can, you can do that all day. When you're 45, 50, blast doubles don't seem like a lot of fun. Well, yeah, what do you see as... If, if this were a Facebook meme and you had the uh, me... T- doing takedowns when I'm like 20, you're seeing blast doubles, like stuff like that, very explosive, um, athletic takedowns. When you shift over to 50, what are you seeing from those groups? Or as you get to 40s, 50s, and well, you, you see one of two extremes. You see, you know, about I'd say about 75% of the competition um, tends to go for more controlled takedowns, foot sweeps, body folds. Um, single legs, things that don't need to be super explosive, um, suicide throws, tomoine gaze, and th- things like that. Um, and the remaining 25% tend to be just old, rough and tough wrestlers who've been wrestling forever and they can do it even though it sucks on their body. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, and there's that dichotomy, there's always gonna be a little bit of a split. Um, but the, when you look at the younger generation, all the takedowns are very explosive. Um, when they do takedowns, it's always very explosive. You don't see a lot of young guys doing like foot sweeps and body folds. The, the more controlled takedowns, you know. I get why older guys don't do the explosive stuff because it uses a lot of energy, and that's energy is a much more valuable commodity at that Absolutely. age. Absolutely. But why don't you see the younger guys doing the foot sweeps and things that? have very low risk and, and very low energy cost. Yeah. Because they take more practice. Okay. You have to be very experienced. Like foot sweeping somebody is very tough. Very, very tough where you can take a very sloppy double leg. Let me put it this way. You can tackle somebody. So it's not even a proper takedown. You just run at them and jump on them. You might get them to fall down where if you try to do a foot sweep and your timing is off, your balance is off, your the the angles are off, all you're gonna do is kick somebody in the shins and they're gonna look at you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so it takes a little bit more of an expertise. A suicide throw, right? It takes a lot of timing. Suicide throws in judo are, are throws where you fall first and then that causes the opponent to get tossed. Okay. So suicide throws take a lot of experience because if you fail, you're immediately at the bottom. So either you have to have a very confident bottom game or a very, very high level of confidence in your suicide throw. You, smaller guys, not so much, you know? Um, not smaller, but younger guys, not so much. Uh, like I said, just an experience thing. Plus, um, with the younger guys, there is that split of... You know, what, like I said, if we go back to the dilemma of I have a limited amount of training time in a match, proportionally speaking, it's about a 10% to 90% split in any, in any rank time spent on their feet, right? 
if if I have a limited amount of time and I want to put my resources into bettering my odds, I'm going to put the resources in a place where I'm going to be spending most of my time in, which is on the ground. So, you know, a lot of those guys will just forego practicing takedowns and set the pull guard because they can avoid a takedown and go immediately where they've spent all their, their resources. Mm-hmm. Now, stand-up game in jiu-jitsu now would you say it's has how is like wrestling and a lot of the other grappling arts affected the stand-up game in jiu-jitsu well jiu-jitsu has always been highly influenced by by other grappling arts um i mean we talked about on the episode about the roots you know um where you know brazilian jiu-jitsu came from judo that came from japanese jiu-jitsu um and and judo obviously super high focus on um takedowns you know takedown ability and so on um with the introduction of wrestling the the heavy influence american influence then you start to see more things uh, more refined double legs more refined single legs into more intricate setups you know high crotch and ankle picks and you know snap downs and front headlocks and things like that so um, I think it is very safe to say that the the takedown game today, while still under practiced, is far more developed than it was 30 years ago. Mm. You see a lot at competitions at the white belt level and the blue belt level, new guys coming in or wrestlers come in who can just do really well at the beginner beginner level absolutely walk in be aggressive they have they're very comfortable on their feet they're going against guys who are new to jujitsu and not comfortable on their feet do you see that wrestling carry over to the higher belts as far as like a success right yes and no i would be i'm very comfortable in saying that i could take a high school wrestling team never teaching them any jujitsu okay and giving them, teaching them three techniques. And I could take this high school wrestler group into a local semi-regional tournament level and have them all win at a white belt level. I'm very comfortable with that. Mm -hmm. Um, Is that because their aggression and their, the knowledge they have of grappling will at least get them to a point where they're like inside control? Maybe it doesn't have, you don't have to get that far. Right. So, you know, when we talk about the split, the 1090 split, that still happens at all belts. Right. So when you take a white belt whose expertise at that 90% is very, very low, they're a white belt after all, and they're 10% on their feet, their expertise is even lower because again, they're a white belt. You bring in somebody who has an equal level of, you know, inaptitude, at the ground game, but is very high skilled on a takedown game, that 10% is sufficient to win the match. Right. Because everything else washes the same, right? Um, This is just statistics, right? Um, Now, as we go up in belt, let's say purple belt, which is about halfway through. At a purple belt, I expect the, any difference on the 10% on on the standing up game, the takedown game, to be nullified by the depth advantage on the 90%. So you would see purple belts 
being taken down, but, but then as soon as they're down, they can recover, they can be aggressive, they can salvage positions and maybe get a submission off of it. You know, it, it isn't as big of a deal because that 90% now is comprised of much more depth, mm-hmm. you know. Why do you think that wrestlers have, they're so, they come in so comfortable on their feet jiu-jitsu guys new people aren't as comfortable on their feet is it because in the wrestling world these guys are coming in and they're all young they're starting off young so they're in a an environment where they can train a little bit more risky on their feet and then in jiu-jitsu you have people who are not necessarily at that age and so they're trapped they're practicing at a slower safer pace man that's a that's a really loaded question um I think it's a culture shift. So in Japan, judo is art. Like it's a form of art. So it's, they take very, very heavy emphasis on the martial art. They, they look at the art, right? Yes, it's meant for fighting. Yes, it's a, meant for, it's a form of self-defense. Yes, it's a form of combat. It was at one point in time, government restricted and government controlled. Yes, all those things. But never underestimate the Japanese appreciation for the beautiful, the, 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 the pretty aspects of judo. It is a form of art. There's like art pieces and paintings about judo because it is something very special to them. So when a Chinese, or actually, sorry, when a, a child um, enrolls in judo in Japan, that is very serious to them they desire to be that because that is something prestigious it is something important it has weight substance to it right um the same for sambo in in you know all the you know ex-ussr countries um you know it's very very like it's it's deep ingrained into them that it's something important and, and and matters to them here in america there is a culture shift we've talked about where it's a service but I think wrestling is very ingrained in American culture. Um, And when you're a kid, you only really matter in wrestling once you start getting to like junior high, Mm -hmm. right? At which point the the competitions that really matter for you are not the club competitions. Sure, there's value in winning those, but the ones that get you recognition are the the school competitions, the, the sectionals the state nationals and so on um you don't pay for those right the 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 child practicing in junior high and in high school they desire to be part of that team they're driven to win something that they have to earn right they're not buying anything generally speaking the crowd that comes to jujitsu um is looking for a service, a distraction, a hobby. Mm. Now, why does that matter? Because if you desire to be part of a team and how good, how badly you want to be part of a team will allow you to, you know, ignore a lot of shit that you take. You know, like you can, like, I mean, you've seen some of these coaches in wrestling, in any high school sport, really, you've seen these coaches tearing up these kids 
these kids they just want to be there they'll 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 take it you know mm-hmm. they'll they'll stay they'll endure um much like in japan with judo and sambo in russia but in jiu-jitsu when you're paying for something and somebody is overly mean to you or if somebody um you know, if you get taken down a lot and you're like, man, my, my ribs hurt, I can't get taken down again. And I'm like, well, tough shit, you gotta get taken down again. It's easier for you to say, nah, I'm gonna yeah. go somewhere else. Yeah, in wrestling or other sports, there is this greater good, I want my peers to respect me, I want right. my coach to respect me. And then as you do, yeah, crossover too, just coming in and paying for a service, yeah, I, you do have the mentality. It's very, it's very inju- uh, individualistic where you're saying, "I don't need it." Yeah, listen, I gave you my money. I'm here to learn. I don't like this thing here, so I don't want to do that. Right. I'm paying you, so I'm trying to tell you with my money, let's right. do something else that right. I actually enjoy. Yeah. And and to be fair, Brazilians also are you know i'm a brazilian the brazilians are a little bit at fault for this because the of the heavy emphasis on the ground fighting because that's what it's where it's fun we neglected for a long time the 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 portion the 10 percent the takedown portion of of ground of grappling of ground fighting um and, and and it is a problem and you see you, you're starting to see, you, you started to see more prevalent, a shift towards addressing the, that weakness around 1998. That's when you started to seeing guys who became very good at takedown because it gave them enough of an edge, right? Who comes to mind when you say that? Oh man, like Hoyler was very good at takedowns. Um, he, com- he stopped competing, I think, maybe a little before then or right around then. Uh, Lel Vieta was an incredible takedown artist. Um, Marcelo Garcia in the early 2000s, uh, he kind of dominated with his arm drag to single leg combo. Um, you start moving up into, you know, Shanji Hibero and Haja Gracie, which nobody thinks of Haja Gracie as a good takedown artist. That dude was taking people down left and right, but everybody focused on his ground game. But everybody neglected the, the fact that he took everybody down. Which is what kind of takedowns was he? Going foot sweeps, for? a lot of foot sweeps, like okay. a lot of like uh, um, what people would say, like it's a, a slow game or like you know. But it didn't matter. Well, that works for like a big, tall guy like that. Lanky, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, very good timing. It kind of all fit his personal style. Um, you saw the likes of Megaton Diaz who was a judo Brazilian judo Olympiad before turning to jiu-jitsu. Huge advantage on his feet. You know, as a black belt coming into jiu-jitsu, already being an Olympiad, uh, it gave him a, a huge, like just a gigantic advantage on his competitive career to the point that, you know, I think he's in his mid to late 50s now. I'm not sure. Don't quote me on it. But up until five years ago, he was competing in adult division because the older guys couldn't keep up with him. He'd take him down. That's it. It's in the match. Hmm. And he, he'd rather have the challenge of the younger guys. Just a second ago, you mentioned uh, part of the blame for the lack of focus on feet could be attributed to like Brazilians Absolutely. and the way that they, the style and the focus on the ground game. Was that, would you, 
use that would you say that goes all the way back to the roots of when it started or after it had gained oh. some ground because it started to me in like the self-defense like oh, fighting absolutely not yeah i think it was later so they it starts off with this emphasis on just kind of being well-rounded with carlos yeah. and elio and absolutely. then it shifts towards a focus on the ground because it became more uh, became more of a sport right um training to protect yourself is fun and it's important and it's imperative that we all do it but at the end of the day you're much more likely to get into a competition than you are to get into a fight Mm -hmm. so the shift will always always happen um and that's the problem became when you started having schools that were forsaking Mm self-defense and focusing on competition because the prestige of school gets right if i have a thousand students and 500 of them are world champions my school will always succeed over somebody else's but if i have you know a thousand students and a thousand of them can protect themselves 100 percent of the time i get no recognition other than i feel good mm-hmm. so that shift will always happen all right so if you look at the cycles in jujitsu you look at in the beginning there is this focus on what to do on your feet then you have this shift where it becomes more of a, a sport. People are um, not focusing on that. They're looking at the ground game. Then you say late 90s, early 2000s, it comes back to takedowns. Right. Where are we right now? We are at, a, at about an even split. Okay. There are guys who see the value, the competitive guys who see a value in takedowns because if you and I have an equal ground game in our 90% cancel out then the 10 percent on our feet matter quite a bit there are guys who say i will skip that 10 percent, and i will take my chances at the 90 so you see a lot of guys that are very explosive on their takedowns guys like bushesha who do very powerful blast singles and blast doubles because they get a head up and you see a lot of guys like mikey musimichi who will sit Right, so Mikey says, I don't need to do takedowns. If I sit, it's your 90% versus my 90%, and I think my 90% is better, mm-hmm. right? So th- there's a two schools of thought there where some people take a hard stance and they say, never mind, I don't need to takedowns. I can just bypass all that. And there's guys that say, I'd rather try to get an early start right, than gamble that I'm better than you later. Mm-hmm. I mean, you see guys like Keenan. Um, Keenan is has probably one of the best guards in the world, especially in the gi. It's an incredible guard. Um, he will pull guard 95% of his matches. Will still practice judo. There's plenty of footage of him out there doing judo classes. I didn't know that. Yeah, because uh, you know he's not going to be the guy who shoots doubles and singles. I'm sure he can, but he's long and lanky and skinny. And that's a bad combination for uh, doubles and, and singles um, because if you get a bigger guy, heavier guy sprawling on you, there's not much to hold you up. But for him, judo takedowns are very suitable and good foot sweeps, good inside trips and things like that will benefit his game being long and lanky. Mm-hmm. So um, now he still pulls guard, right? Um, so why does he spend energy and time on judo? Because maybe there will be an instance where pulling guard is not an option right and he has to fight on his feet so i think you're starting to see more and more of a a division in jiu-jitsu um as far as competitive strategy of 
I need to make sure that my 90% are better than everybody else's 90% or I should try to get an edge at that 10% because I know most people aren't practicing that. Mm-hmm. Explain to me what what is what was your evolution and training like of your stand-up game? So when you were a young kid, mm-hmm. what did your training look like? So, you know, growing up, I did a lot of... So the, the, the true art that's been lost in jiu-jitsu is not takedowns, right? So if you go to any jiu-jitsu guy uh, that's been around the game for a minute, they can do double legs, they can do single legs, they can do ankle picks, they can do ogashas and haraigoshis and, you know, kuchigaris and so on. They, they know takedowns, take somebody down. Um, I think the art that's been lost in jiu-jitsu is the art of clinching, meaning close, managing and closing the distance between where I cannot take you down to where I can and grappling starts. I think that's the art that's been lost. Growing up, um, growing up in my family and training, always in a focus of if somebody tries to punch or kick you, especially as a kid, that was very important. Um, the ability to close distance and not get not take a lot of damage was very important so we practice there's a lot of very fun drills where we practice closing the distance and ensuring that any sort of strikes that got through were minimal that we did not absorb a lot of damage and that we were positioned in a place where we could essentially grapple staying up into a takedown what kind of drills would you do you said fun drills yeah you can't do them in america get sued perfect what like what kind of things are you doing (laughs) so we had this this drill where um you would line up the students let's let's say we have like 25 people right so we get 24 people to be lined up on one corner of the mat let's see if a square mat Mm -hmm. and then the person that's practicing is on the other corner Right. Okay. That so person, they're diagonal. They're across, yes. Okay. They're, yeah, diagonal. Yeah. So the person that's practicing, right, that person has to take the first person in line down. Okay. The person that's first in line can slap you as hard as they want, as much as they want, until their butt touches the mat. Okay. <laughs> right. Now, here's the kicker. When you take them down, as soon as you're up, the next person in line is coming after you. So you have to learn to back up and close that distance when it's appropriate. You have to learn to commit because if you try to take down and you say, oh shit, this is not good, you're going to get the shit beat out of you. Yeah. And you have um, to learn how to like re- create the space and recover because right. 10 people deep in that thing and you're ga- you're <laughs> most tired, of us are gassed. Tired yeah. out. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, you go, you go home, you know, with bruises and, you know, scrapes and so on. You can't do that in America. People will sue you for that. No gloves, open hand strikes, yeah. Man, I mean, <laughs> there, there's like it's like circle surprise was another good one too. Where, okay, circle surprise. Yeah, I feel like that's a. Uh, that's, if you, if you search hard. that online, you're gonna find some weird stuff. Yeah. So, so could you explain that? To yeah, us? no. So like, the, like that was a really fun one where you got put in the center and everybody else. So let's say like there's 25 people, right? You'd have a person in the center, and you have 24 people walking in a perfect circle around you, right? And at random, the instructor will pick a certain person. Like the, the instructor will walk opposite direction from the circle okay. on the outside, and they will pinch a random person. <laughs> that random person, once they get pinched, they're it. 
at any time they can start striking the other person and the other person has to learn to back up, close that distance and take them down. And as soon as they take them down, that person gets up and goes into a circle and you stay in the center until whoever the next surprise is. Wow. That's a really aggressive form of duck, duck, goose. Yes. Essentially. <laughs> yeah. So, did, Oh, can you imagine if, if you did a split screen of you doing that? As a kid, and then me in preschool, surrounded, doing the same thing, but a kid walking around going, duck, 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 goose, and then we get up and we run around a circle. Yeah, we don't, we didn't do that. Yeah, I mean, I'd run around the circle, and if I didn't catch the person, here I am crying because I can't right. catch them, and then here, here you are over there, uh, yeah. crying because someone just fucking slapped your yeah, nose right. off, right? <laughs> you know, and then you had you know other instances where. Um, taking him down was not enough to end the match. So you could not strike them, but they could strike you as much as they wanted. You had to take them down and submit them, mm. you know, control them and submit them. Um, so yeah, there was, I mean, there was a lot of like things like that. So like, that's the art that's lost in juice is the art of clinching. Um, it goes into managing distance, managing your own personal space, learning to the proper entry to it, the proper exit, you know, um, how to recover a takedown because you can close the distance really, really well and still get the shit thrown out of you. And then the shit beat out of you because you're in the bottom, you know? Right. What's the best way then here in the world we live in and the culture we're in to recapture that art of that clinch? It's tough. Yeah. It's very tough. The hobbyist will never do that. Mm -hmm. The hobbyist, that's not fun. Can you imagine, like, uh, can you imagine, let's say, uh, a dentist, right, who works all day and then comes into jujitsu just for fun? And I'm like, all right, guys, circle surprise. You're in the center. There's 30 people walking around. You have no idea who's going to hit you. You just know that people are going to hit you and you got to find a way to take them down or they're going to keep hitting you. And then when you take them down, it's not over. Your turn is not over somebody else is going to go again. And again, you have no idea who they are. Like that, nothing about that sounds like fun. Maybe once in a blue moon, but not regularly enough to build skill. Yeah. No offense to the dentists out there. Uh, no, uh, doc bill who, if you're listening, <laughs> I think this was, this was probably aimed towards. No, him. no. I mean, if I was going to talk shit about him, I'll just talk shit about him. Right. Yeah. Uh, but so then do you have to say as the, leader of that gym either I will teach the people who want to know that um, I'll teach that to this certain group of people and then the hobbyists I won't teach it to if so how do you do that or you just say I'm just really not going to teach it that's what most schools have opted to mm-hmm. um, I still teach it as part of the, the from brown to black absolutely you need to know I think the techniques we learn from white to blue and blue to purple are sufficient for most people. Um, I think you would have no problem closing distance from somebody who's trying to hit you. Um, but I think if somebody's going to be a black belt, even if they don't like it, they should at least be very capable in doing so. Mm. And is, is that still just going back to that specific thing? Is it so hard to teach that art of the clinch without 
just inflicting some well i mean obviously i mean obviously those are not the only drills there's other drills you can do Mm. to where you're not getting the shit beat out of you and you can still learn the timing and closing the distance absolutely there's absolutely there's there's other drills i don't want people listening thinking man i gotta get the shit beat out of me before i learn this no you don't have to do the pleasure (laughs) circle or or what was it called the (laughs) not a pleasure circle surprise the the sloppy circle or no i have the circle surprise the sloppy surprise circle okay all right we're moving on um no i mean there's obviously different drills you can do there's always a an alternative drill um but there is value in drilling to where you could get slapped i mean it's not gonna knock you out but i mean there's value in feeling that sting you know how would you do that with the masses i don't think you can you're not worried about getting into a fight tonight that's like the furthest thing from your mind even though I live in this dangerous neighborhood of right, it is a very serious. It's a very, very elderly gangs. It is a very bad day. Yeah, but yeah, you're you're you are a hundred percent right. I am when whatever I'm doing after this, we're gonna go out. We're gonna have some dinner. Right. The last thing on my mind is that I'm gonna have to defend myself in a right. fight. That's just not something you have to worry about. But when you're living in a country like Brazil, that is a possibility. Right, so then it becomes much more acceptable and much more um, endearing to practice that. Mm. Um, but but I think that's the art that most jujitsu guys have lost is the art of clinching, and and clinching doesn't mean takedowns. There's plenty of guys in jujitsu that are incredible takedown artists. I mean, the art of clinching, of closing the distance on our feet prior to the takedown. You know, I'm not talking about setting up a pretty double leg. I'm talking about ensuring that you're close enough that they cannot strike you right and then ensuring that you're in a good enough position to take them down right neiman gracie is to me the best clinch artist in the world yeah like what do you see about what do you see about his his fights and what he does how many times have you seen him get hit he he stays outside of that striking distance stays outside outside and then when it's time to move he's in close enough that there is no striking. There's no striking, and right. they're now operating on his dirt. Right. You know, I'm sure people listening are going to go back and look up Neiman Gracie and look up his fights, and they're going to find, like, the 10 or 12 strikes he's got hit in his entire career and go, ha-ha, he got hit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's 10 or 12 strikes in an entire fighting career at the highest level in Bellator, you know? I mean, he wasn't fighting chumps, you know? Um, but the average fighter, I mean, they get hit all the time. I mean, you look look at the UFC. Look at like like critical strikes hit when you see a match. You know, two hundred and some. You got hit two hundred times. Holy shit! Yeah, <laughs> that's a problem. Right. You know. Oh, but I trained. Yeah, you trained, but the average person gets hit two hundred times. They're dead. Mm. I can maybe take <laughs> half a critical hit. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I think like, you know, as far as like living examples, I think Neiman is like the best clinch artist in MMA. Uh, Gary Tonin is a very good clinch artist too, but he likes to, to strike a little bit too. I don't, mm. he, I don't think he should, but I'm not his coach. Right. But I think Neiman, Neiman's incredible. He what about a guy like Ortega? Ortega is good, very good at clinching, but he likes to strike. He does like to right? strike. Which is okay because he's a good striker. Mm-hmm. He's got good, good punches, you know? Um, and he's successful at it. So, I mean, he got... You know, Frankie Edgar, right? He was knocked him out. I think he knocked out Frankie Edgar, right? Because so, yeah. uppercut, yeah. So he's good enough on his feet that the clinch isn't as valuable to him. He doesn't have to use that clinch as the 
avenue to victory. Correct. He can say, like, I, I'll clinch or, I, you know what, I may just go for this knockout here. Right. So if you think of, like, in jiu-jitsu competition, we thought of takedowns as 10% and ground as 90%. In an MMA match, we may say, you know, 20 20, 60, you know, like 20 on our feet, 20 on the clinch, which is the transition to the takedown portion and 40% on the ground or 60% on the ground. You can even go 30, 30, 30, whatever. You know what I mean? Like whatever split you want to do, you have to be good at all those areas. And Neiman, I think is a very good striker. I just think he's underrated because he doesn't have to strike. Right. He's like, he knows if he closes the distance, he's going to take you down and then you're going to suffer down there. Mm. I mean, I'm not sucking up to Neiman, but he took Ed Ruth down way easier and way more successfully than Ed Ruth was able to take him down. I don't think Ed Ruth took him down once. Ed Ruth, a guy who has a little of ex- little experience when it comes to yeah, one, probably one of the best wrestlers to go into MMA ever couldn't mm-hmm. take him down. Right. So it wasn't a matter of takedown ability against takedown ability. It was a matter of clinching ability. Was different. Sure. All right, we're at the cusp of now getting into like the technical part, uh, the different elements of stand-up game. But let's save this for another episode because we're also at the cusp of like this is the end of the episode. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But before we end this up, let's do a listener Instagram message. Oh, before we do the listener mailbag. Real quick, I'm doing a seminar in Philly at Sion BJJ. For anybody in Philadelphia that wants to come on train, that was nice. That was my phone. <laughs> <dropping>. <laughs> um, I'll be in Sion uh, BJJ in uh, uh, Northampton. Um, sorry, sorry, Southampton, um, Pennsylvania. Uh, Steve Austin is the instructor out there. Um, I'll be there next weekend, uh, March 14th. So anybody that wants to come out, welcome to come out. Um, and then I will be at Black Lion in Grand Rapids in uh, March 28th. And then April, I'll be in BJJ in Paradise. If you guys haven't been to it, it should definitely go. It's it's an amazing trip. And in May, I will be in Phoenix visiting Jay Pages at his school out there. I'll be doing a seminar on May 16th. It'll be my first time in Phoenix. Nice. Mm-hmm. And... Any of these events mentioned, Croiler just jujitsu at the door. You'll get 100 percent off, and he'll count. He'll, <laughs> that's not. That's not. He'll that's cover not all true. Your, he'll, he'll not only cover you the flight <laughs> out there. He'll take you out that night, and he'll pay for all your drinks. That's that's not true. <laughs> None of that is true. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Uh, just just contact us. We'll we'll figure it out. Croiler will figure it out. All right. It's the mailbag. Did you want to do the mailbag song? No. Are you sure? I'm, I'm 100% you, positive. You've had a couple of weeks to think about what it I'm is. I'm as positive about that as I am about not reimbursing people that fly out from my <laughs> seminars. <laughs> all right, all right, let's do this then. I'll do the mailbag song, but what genre do you want for the mailbag song? We've oh, I can up. pick? You can pick the genre, yeah. Oh, let's go, let's go classic opera. Oh, f- okay. <laughs> okay. Mm, all right. <laughs> You're laughing, but like this is my forte. Oh, this is the listener email. The listener email bag. Unzip it and put it out on the table. Flop, 
That Fuck. just sounds dirty. Uh, I will give it to you that that was way better than I thought. <laughs> that just shows how low your expectations are. Yeah, that's true. All right, this one comes uh, Instagram message. So, yeah, if anyone has questions, please send it to justjujitsu at gmail.com. Uh, gmail right? Uh, yep, or they can go through Instagram or Facebook, too. Exactly. This one comes from Joey, who has been a, uh, a, a colorful character who has recently started listening and he says Joey who? Never you don't have to say it out loud and the you can cut it out. Joey Veritas. Oh never mind. Yeah. Were you thinking uh the Carter. Yeah. Yeah. Alright, Joey says <laughs> actual listener mailback question. So his he starts off with a question specifically for the listener mailbag. He's invested. He said, so please, uns- I guess it's not a question. Sorry, I jumped the gun there. He said, please unzip it and put it on the table. Like you did. That's I did. Joey, I got you, my friend. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I'm liking this Joey character. Did you hear the thud? We're here, man. The bag's on the table. Croydler unzipped it. It I came did, out. I did not unzip it. We're doing bags. this together. <laughs> we are not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So he says he's been listening. <laughs> he said he's been listening and modeling a lot of his early white belt training based off our recommendations, including controlling his breath, not spazzing out, changing angles, employing frames. I like him better now. Okay, he's winning you back. Yeah. Cool. All of that being said, he's still having trouble getting into sweeping conditions from guard. And then he says, typically, he's in full guard, butterfly, or half guard. However, when he is sparring with other white belts uh, and colored belts, he finds that he's being swept more and he's, uh, but I am able to recover guard. He says, uh, he said he's only seven weeks into this and really working to remove his ego from the mat and worrying about getting swept and tapped. But do we have any specific advice for a newbie who's trying not to get swept as much, but also employing sweeps in this game? So it's a double question. How it's can, a double question. Yeah, how can I sweep better and how can I not be swept? Yeah, do, is the is before we answer this question, is the mailbag is it an, is enough of it on the table? Is it open enough for I'm you moving, to really? I'm, I'm moving on. You got it. Do you see it I, all? I'm just no. I, you I don't need don't, to see. I, you? I don't need to see any of it. Okay, cool. All right, all right, Joey. Here we go. <laughs> all right. So, um, as far as um, sweeping people, right? Um, there, there are two things that are very important. Uh, three things that are very important, but the third one gets kind of combined with the second one. So first is the ability to create proper angling, right? So everybody, nobody is going to want to get swept or thrown. So they're always going to position themselves in a way that is the sturdiest way possible, the way that's going to support their weight the best. And it's important that when we're sweeping them, that we get an angle that is good enough to so that when we do execute the sweep, the sweep is being executed in an angle that they cannot recover from, they cannot stop. So getting a proper angle is good. The second thing that's very, very important is opposing forces. So pushing somebody or kicking somebody or pulling somebody is good. But if you can have a rotational force and to have a rotation, you have to have opposing forces. One side pulls, one side pushes, 
and vice versa. Mm. If you can have a rotation and good angling, then you can most definitely get a sweep. Now, the third thing that I mentioned is uh, in judo, they call it kazushi, I believe, which is the art of off balancing, which means if an opponent is is a solid structure and they're very strong and they have a good base and you can't tip them, um, you need to get them off balance for a slight moment. And in that off balance, whether they're readjusting or catching themselves or, you know, fixing their posture, that moment that they're vulnerable that's the moment to hit the sweep at a proper angle with opposing forces. Okay. As far as not being swept, um, it's kind of the opposite. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No. So as far as not being swept, um, you know, you hear people talk about having good posture in jujitsu all the time. Um, And, and, and we've had a whole discussion on posture in our guard passing episode. The, the trick is being, strong enough to maintain a structural shape but not so strong that you're stiff because if you're stiff you're you're rigid it means that you're tippable any rigid structure is very tippable you want to have enough of a give to absorb any sort of push or pull and as for a seven week white belt that's pretty good questions yeah not bad right yeah yeah joey we got the bag out now we're gonna put it away jesus christ hold on that's uh Let's, let's zip this up. Can I, Corley, can I get your hand? Careful. All right, there you go. Hand. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Watch your hand. My there hand we go. Not moving there at we all. go. Oh. All right, let's snap it. Will you get that last snap? I can't reach over there. No. Thank you. I'm not touching any of that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we'll put a little scotch tape on the top just to keep that close. Well, that was that was good. That was a good way to close that out. I was just looking to see. Just making sure. Oh, wait a second. My family, I'm, the people are coming out now, right? You said wait until we finish the podcast and until then the party happens. Until you your thing, yeah. Uncle Eric, are you, did, you flew him in. Oh, but dude, you are the sweetest. I, I knew, I knew that you were waiting to do this. I will let you look around the house if you want. <laughs> will you bring the mic around so people can hear me go from like happy excitement to just just sad and yes. dejected feeling. 100%. <laughs> oh, man. You know, this was good because it's always a good sign of a show where I look through the notes that I had. Uh-huh. We didn't make it past the first bullet point. No. So we're going to do next week another episode. On takedowns? Um, not necessarily takedowns, but just stuff like... Wrist control, head oh, control, gotcha. posture. Actual, like, like technical aspects of it. Yeah. Stuff, Not all conceptual. The, yeah. A lot of the elements that will go into setting up someone to get the takedown and take gotcha. it to the ground. Yeah, because we're, we're very conceptual this episode. Exactly. I mean, I can't think of any better way to end this by you just singing happy birthday to me. I'm not singing happy birthday <laughs> what? to you. <laughs> what? <laughs> really? You don't, you don't just have to sing it? I, I'm, I'm just going to tell you happy birthday. Yeah, you could tell me that, but I mean... Uh, people at work tell me happy birthday. It's not the same thing as someone just singing happy birthday to you. Well, whenever we get food tonight, they'll sing you happy birthday for you. Yeah, that's cool too. But it's it's really someone <laughs> that you love just singing like happy you, birthday you waited to you. An entire year to try to set me to sing, didn't you? Like this was like last year's notes. <laughs> I don't want to get bogged down with all like the, the details. History. No, 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 no. All right, well, you know, all right, that we'll end it here. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening. This is episode 57. Andrew Desimoni signing off with 
Croyler Gracie. Go check out Croyler at his seminars coming up here. Uh, look up the places that he's going. It is impressive. That question I read, you had not seen it yet. I read it out, and then you just ra- you just rattle off an answer. I mean, it's probably all bullshit. You made it up, right? You pull that, yeah. None yeah, of it's I, right, right. 100% made it up, yeah. Okay, cool, yeah. So, Joey, yeah. don't listen to any 20, of that. 25 years experience. Just, yeah, man. It's all bullshit. Yeah, don't listen to any of that. All right. Thank you, everyone. We will see you next week. Bye.